Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Welcome back. Hour number two, Matthew Collar, Purple Daily here on Score North. And a reminder, if you missed any of our first hour with Alex Boone or our conversation with Terrence Newman earlier in the week, make sure you go to wherever you find your podcast just type in purple daily give a review leave some five stars if you can uh, much appreciated that helps other people find the show so before we get to Derek Klassen of football outsiders we're going to talk all quarterbacks all the time with Derek who breaks them down for football outsiders just wanted to take a quick look at an article from Bill Barnwell of ESPN who wrote uh, ranking the best to worst coaching openings and I think this is going to be relevant for Kevin Stefanski I mean it's not a deadlock that Kevin Stefanski gets a head coaching job but with the Vikings being one of the best offenses in the NFL the improvements that they've made this year and the fact that Stefanski was very close to getting a head coaching job last year I think he's got a really great shot at ending up somewhere else next year as the head guy so I wanted to take a look at this he counted down nine openings he thinks are going to be there this year here and uh, who, uh, which ones might be the best if you are a head coaching candidate. So the, the worst, and I agree with him, is Washington on this list of the nine. It's ninth out of nine. And uh, I think if you're Kevin Stefanski and it's between coming back to the Minnesota Vikings and going to coach Washington, you come back to the Vikings. And I totally agree with Bill Barnwell here. The biggest weakness is ownership. And when you have ownership that meddles in everything that you're going to do, you don't have a whole lot of talent there. You have a quarterback that you have to take over in Dwayne Haskins, and you know that since they drafted him, they're going to stick with him longer. They're not going to listen to you as a head coach. I totally agree that Washington is the job you want to stay away from. That seems like a one-and-done type of possibility. You don't want that one. But as, as I scroll down the list, the New York Giants are obviously on it, and of course it runs through my mind that if Kevin Stefanski leaves, it would make sense for Pat Shermer to come back. But I'm not sure it's the eighth worst out of nine jobs. Again, you have to inherit the quarterback, and we don't know if Daniel Jones is good or not. I've seen some good signs from him, seen some bad signs from him, and a lot of NFL quarterbacks are poor in their first year and take a big jump the second year. We saw that from Carson Wentz, for example, and a, and a number of guys 
throughout the past few years. So maybe if Kevin Stefanski liked what he saw from Daniel Jones, he would be interested in the Giants' job. But they just don't have a lot of talent in a lot of other places, and they have a general manager who is a goofball and seems to make the worst possible decisions, like trading a pretty high draft pick for Leonard Williams, who's just not a really good player. And they didn't have him under contract. A very very bizarre moves, spending such an insanely high draft pick on a running back, which at this point has been proven over and over again to just not work. So I, I guess I do get it, that they're eighth out of nine, in part because the roster just does not have a whole heck of a lot of talent. They moved on from their most talented player in Odell Beckham. Didn't get a whole lot back, as we've seen from this year. So poor Pat Shermer. I, I don't think he's a great head coach. Clearly he wasn't going to take a five-win team and turn them into a ten-win team. Uh, it, it looks more like he turned them into a three-win team, unfortunately, for Pat. Uh, but he is one of the great offensive minds in the league, and he'll get an offensive coordinator job after this, and we'll probably see his offense overperforming again, uh, just like we did in 2017. Uh, Jets' job is number seven on Bill Barnwell's list. Adam Gase, nobody deserves to be gone more than him, except for maybe Matt Patricia in Detroit. And uh, that's a tough one because Sam Darnold, another very talented young quarterback, but we haven't really seen it on a consistent basis yet. They don't have a ton of talent there around him. They spent a, a crazy, insane amount of money on a running back on Le'Veon Bell. It's almost like you are waving the flag that you don't know what you're doing when you draft a running back super high or you spend a lot of money on a running back who's 27 years old and sat out the entire year. Uh, Jacksonville is a tough one because you don't know what you're doing at quarterback and you're not going to have a high enough draft pick to draft Tua Tugaviola if he comes out or, of course, uh, Joe Burrow at the very top. And you're kind of stuck with Nick Foles or Gardner Minshew, which I wouldn't really want either one of those options. So just to to keep running down the list here, Cleveland is fifth. I wouldn't be surprised if they call Kevin Stefanski back. I think that that is an attractive job based on the amount of talent there. But if Odell Beckham is trying to force his way out, their ownership isn't very good. And it is kind of just a cursed franchise in general, right? Uh, Number four on Barnwell's list is Detroit. Um, yeah, that one, the fact that, you know, you have Matt Stafford and you probably could win right away. Uh, if you got somebody who was a good defensive coordinator, you could be highly competitive if you're Kevin Stefanski. I, I kind of like that job. I think that they have the talent, but not the coach. The Falcons are a tough situation because when Pat Shermer went to New York, he inherited old Eli. Well, whoever goes to Atlanta is going to be inheriting old Matt Ryan. And I think he's still a good quarterback, but he definitely isn't what he used to be. And uh, that that might be tough. You got good ownership there, but if you're talking about taking a guy who's going to be 36, 37, 38 years old in the twilight of his career, that's pretty hard to win with. Carolina, if they bring back Cam Newton and he's 100% healthy, would be uh, a very good job for Kevin Stefanski. It seems like they want to be analytics, forward uh, thinking, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but if they don't, then who's the quarterback? Because I think it, we've seen that Kyle Allen in a larger sample is not that guy. And number one on Barnwell's list is just not really applicable to Kevin Stefanski. That is the Dallas Cowboys opening, which I agree is a great opening based on talent. But how much is Jerry Jones still going to be involved? I would want to ask that question. I do think that they're going to fire Jason Garrett, hire a huge name. It's not going to be someone like Kevin Stefanski. So if you're putting odds on it for Stefanski, I would say the top jobs would all kind of apply to him. 
The, the Carolina Panthers would make a ton of sense. Atlanta as well to try to get the most out of uh, late Matt Ryan in his career and the Detroit Lions. Uh, I'm sure if it's in the division, that's not going to make any difference to him, right? Um, but uh, the, a, a Lions team that's talented and just simply underperforming, that's one you want to take over so you look really good compared to the last guy. All right, all right, let's get to our interview here. Derek Klassen, he does the film room for Football Outsiders, one of my favorite followers on Twitter and one of the best Twitter names at QB Class, but it is K-L-A-S-S, a play on his name. So, Derek, how are you? I'm doing great today. How are you? I am doing really well. So you focus a lot on quarterbacks with your film studies and love looking at your work. So I want to focus entirely on quarterbacks here, starting with, no surprise, I'm sure, to you, Kirk Cousins. And and when I've looked at this year from Kirk Cousins, Derek, it's easily been his best statistically, whether you're looking at his pro football-focused numbers or whether you're looking at the traditional stats. And I connect it to finally having the combination of a bunch of weapons and the exact right play caller and scheme for Kirk Cousins. And I think, Derek, that it says a lot about quarterbacks in the NFL, where one year, if you've got the wrong scheme and maybe not enough weapons, you can look like a pretty mediocre quarterback, and then the next year, you can look like a a borderline MVP candidate, which is the way Kirk Cousins is playing. So what have you made of his success this year? I think it's exactly that, where I I think the general talent of a quarterback kind of sets the floor for what they're able to be and then all of the other factors whether it's uh coaching offensive line uh wide receiver talent um how well their defense can kind of keep them in games i think all that other stuff kind of allows them to get to whatever it is that their ceiling is and i think like you mentioned especially in minnesota it seems like the vikings pretty much have everything that they could ask for to set up kurt cousins for that type of success he has really good high-end receivers. Uh, the offensive line is, at the very least, better than it was last year. The running game is fantastic. The defense is playing well. I mean, I think Kirk Cousins has just about everything that he could ask for to be able to play out a fairly mellow game plan that just asks him to do a lot of play action, not a ton of, you know, being the guy who has to go through four reads on a traditional drop back. I don't think that's what he wants to do mm-hmm. because Kirk Cousins, at his best, is just, an extremely accurate passer who is going to make the throw that you designed for him, which seems like, like no duh, like that's what a quarterback wants to do. But if you're making it very clear where he needs to go with the ball, he's very accurate. And if you have the protection for that, and if you have receivers who are going to get open, he's one of a handful of guys who's probably going to capitalize on that best. So Derek, this is what keeps going through my mind as I think about this Vikings team down the stretch. And the playoffs at this point are no guarantee, but for Kirk Cousins to make a splash and prove that he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league, he has to get to the playoffs and he has to win. Because that's sports, right? I mean, sometimes we get in analytics so deep into the, like, well, if you look at this number or that number, he's actually great. Um, but one thing that Cousins hasn't done is is one. And he has had a lot of good teams during his career. I would even say last year the Vikings were a good team with a top defense, and they couldn't get it done when the moment was the biggest. Um, but I wonder how 
quarterbacks where they just have to operate the scheme in order to be successful, and I'm thinking of Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm thinking of Jared Goff, they're all very good, they're all very accurate, but they don't have the exceptional playmaking ability of some of the other quarterbacks we're seeing, I guess, rise to prominence, especially this year. What do you make of how that will play out when the Vikings have to face multiple great teams in order to get where they want to go? You know, I think what you mentioned with with a guy like Kirk Cousins not being able to have that kind of playmaking making ability, I think it just makes your offense. You, you don't really have that that. Um, I mean, volatility is probably not the right word, but you don't necessarily have the same highs that a lot of other offenses are going to get. When you get into a playoff situation where you're obviously facing other great teams, you kind of need to be able to hit that extra gear that's not. You know, it's not anything scheme related. It's just you kind of have an extra ability to do something that's indefensible, like, you know, Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson or whatever. And Kurt just doesn't really have that. Um, I think, like we mentioned earlier, with all the other great pieces they have with this offense, and it seems like they just have the perfect ecosystem. I, I think this is probably his best opportunity ever to not even necessarily need all that playmaking so long as he can just operate the system the way that he's been doing it. Um, I think the most interesting thing with the playoffs is that if you watch the playoffs, especially this is something Bill Belichick does a lot, is cornerbacks can kind of get away with being a lot more aggressive at the line um, in the playoffs. And so that might, you know, depending on the matchup that they get, that might force Kirk Cousins to hold the ball a smidgen longer than he wants to to allow his guys to get open versus press. And so I think that's probably the thing to look for most. And like I said, that's, that's going to kind of depend on matchups, so maybe they can skip past that. But um, if they end up in a matchup like that, I think that's probably where he's going to have his most trouble. Now, of course, they have to get to the playoffs first, and that means two quarterbacks who have a great chance to go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, one is guaranteed, Philip Rivers, we'll see, and then Mitch Trubisky. I want to go in reverse order with <laughs> you, looking at these three guys, because that Week 17 game, just knowing Vikings history, Derek, it screams, that's going to matter. <laughs> because it just last year we were in the same spot where we were saying, oh, the Vikings just have to cruise through, and the Bears won't be playing anybody Week 17. They'll take care of that, and um, they didn't. Uh, so Mitch Trubisky, back Superstar? What's what's going on here? Uh, all of a sudden he's running now again? Is Mitch Trubisky any better than he was a few weeks ago when uh, everyone wanted him benched, including me? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think it's just kind of like a variance thing, right? Like, he had to have a couple of decent games eventually, right? Like, there was no way he was going to uh, just be the worst quarterback in the league for the entire season. Um, and he, he finally got his couple of decent good games against some bad defenses. I mean, Josh Allen tore up the same defense, so like it's, right. it's, it's the same Cowboys defense, so that doesn't really mean a whole lot to me. But um, I do think there is a little bit of like the, the Bears have kind of finally found a little bit of a groove, and I think Trubisky looks a little bit healthier now than he did earlier in the season. Earlier in the season, he looked... Everything just looked so lethargic and slow and kind of like he was he was lumbering to do anything and I think that has gone away a little bit and that's helped, but um 
you know, we've talked before. I don't, I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is a very good quarterback anyway. So even if he's better, he's still not good. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. But the only thing that would concern me if I'm the Vikings is seeing him run a little bit more because in two games where he wasn't hurt. And then of course they lost to Chase Daniel, but, um, he found ways on third and seven to run for eight a, a, a number of times. And that was just enough considering they had a good defense. I'm not trying to make a case. Um, but I have been thinking about Trubisky, if you're a Vikings fan, and of course this doesn't apply to Week 17, I think you root for Mitch Trubisky to play really well these next couple of weeks and for the Bears front office to go, see, see, we fixed it, that was the problem, and now it's all taken care of. If you're a Vikings fan, I think you want Mitch Trubisky to remain in the division for a long time. Oh, absolutely. If you if you force them to, to think about actually having to pick up his, his fifth-year option, I mean, I think that's what everybody in the NFC North wants, um, outside of Chicago. I don't think you want him to tank for these next few weeks and then Chicago can kind of be like, well, you know, we like our head coach. Maybe we can hit the reset button on quarterback, give him his own guy. I think if you have him play well, um, and then yeah, force him to pick up the option, that's, that's going to be, um, a nice little Christmas present for the rest of the <laughs> NFC North. <laughs> uh, talking with Derek Klassen, he writes uh, the film room for Football Outsiders. Also does college football analysis for Roto World Draft. Um, uh, okay, let's now go to Aaron Rodgers. The joke on the show all year long has been Rodgers is washed, and uh, what it really means is not that he can't play football anymore. But Derek, I just don't see the same guy that was there years ago, and it, not just based on some of the bad games, but even the good games where it seems like, yeah, you know, he makes some good throws still, he makes some wow throws still, but the athleticism just isn't the same. His ability to move around and extend plays and break a tackle if he needs to, I just don't see that same thing with Rodgers. So how dangerous is he as a quarterback now compared to, I guess, the the best in the NFL? You know, you're right. He's definitely not the guy that he was in, you know, 2011 or whatever that year was where he just went insane and won MVP. I don't think he's that guy. He's never going to be that particular guy again. I think he still generally plays very much the same way. He just, the arm strength is slightly sap. Um, like you mentioned, he's not quite as mobile as he used to be, especially after some of the injuries in like 2017, I believe. So, um, he's definitely lost a little bit of his playmaking. And when you take a little bit away from his playmaking and you add it onto a play style that he's not volatile in the sense that he throws a lot of interceptions. He obviously does the complete opposite where he throws like zero, but he likes to break the structure of the play a lot. And when you don't necessarily have the physical tools to do that and you have a pretty bad wide receiver core that doesn't really make up the gap anywhere. Um, it can lead to some of these games where he ends up with 5.9 yards per attempt because <laughs> yeah. he's consistently breaking um, the structure, which has worked for him for a decade, and then all of a sudden it's just not all the right pieces are there anymore. So I think that's kind of where they're at. I think it's just a mix of he's still trying to play the same way that he always did, and he doesn't quite have the same tools that he used to for it, and nobody on the roster can really – help make up the gap for him you know i look at that um, at that lack of interceptions is kind of a bad thing i mean there are some times where he has someone but it would take a little bit of a risky throw and it, and it seems like rogers just doesn't want that on his box score i mean i i, I don't know maybe that's a, a a tough accusation for a quarterback who's trying to win games but sometimes you get that feeling like is it does he 
Does he not want to take any shots into coverage uh, or, or whatever, things like that, that might cause him to throw an interception because he doesn't want an interception on his stat sheet? Um, I, I get where people are coming from with that, but personally I think that's not really the case. I, I don't remember exactly where he sits in this, but I know in next-gen uh, next gen stats is like, I think they call it aggression percentage, yeah, where yeah. Uh, how how consistently you're throwing into tight windows. I'm pretty sure he actually has higher numbers than like Patrick Mahomes. Hmm. Um, he's just it's just that he just he doesn't make those like egregious errors or like super tight windows where he's throwing into like double coverage or anything insane. Which to your point, maybe sometimes you do need to do that. Um, you know, especially like in the fourth quarter when you're trying to either break a tie game or. Um, come back from a small lead or, or, you know, from a small deficit or something like that. I do think there are instances where he does play those a little bit too, uh, a little bit too conservative, but I think generally he's just, I think he's just so perfectly understood the line of when and when not to be aggressive that he really takes zero unnecessary risks, whereas even some of the other best quarterbacks like Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes, even they still take unnecessary risks at times, and sometimes it works out for them because they're incredibly talented, um, and sometimes it doesn't. So is washed not fair then? Uh, well, I, I think if we were saying washed as in he's not Patrick Mahomes territory anymore, mm-hmm. I, I think he's you know washed in that sense. But I think if I were to run through uh, rankings of the top quarterbacks, he would probably still end up somewhere like seven or eight for me, which is still, I think, plenty good enough to do whatever it is that you're trying to do in this league. Yeah, so kind of like half-washed. I mean, it's it's obviously a joke because he still has great numbers and things like that, but when you compare you know, your yards per attempt, net yards per attempt, and things like that, it just doesn't come out as far ahead as he used to where you said, all right, this these are impossible numbers to reach, and he was making freakish throws each week. I just don't see that anymore, and it makes me think, Derek, that if the Vikings were looking at all the teams in the NFC. Obviously, this does not include Dallas because everyone in the world would want to play Dallas in the playoffs. But I would say (laughs) going to Lambeau or playing the Packers would be the the matchup you would want against Rodgers, which sounds weird, but Breeze just put up, what, 46 points against San Francisco last week, and Garoppolo's playing really well, but that defense is excellent. I I, I feel like you'd want to play the Packers right now if you're going into the playoffs. I think you're right. And because, you know, I think the Packers are a perfect example of the opposite end of what we were talking about with Cousins, where they've so perfectly found a way to get to Cousins' ceiling. I think the Packers are kind of in the opposite situation where they don't really have anything that can set up Rodgers to get to his ceiling. Um, he's just such a talented quarterback that this is kind of where their floor is. Um, and they're kind of stuck at their floor, it seems. And I don't know if they're ever going to get to their ceiling this year. Um, and then their defense has also gotten like progressively worse as the season has gone on. Um, and they like to blitz a lot and they don't really have the talent to consistently make it work. And so I think you're right. Outside of Dallas, uh, I think if you can get Green Bay, that's probably the matchup you're looking for. Well, let's talk about the matchup for this week. Phillip Rivers has the most hilarious throwing motion of all time. And yet he still seems, as we saw last week against Jacksonville, to have those flashes where he looks like a great quarterback again. Uh, I've been saying, Derek, do not take this Chargers team lightly. They lose every game by three or seven points in some sort of bizarre fashion. But the Vikings also have a long history of losing games in bizarre fashion. So 
I mean, I, I think with him, they're still a pretty dangerous offense and have a, a good amount of weapons. What have you made of very much washed Phillip Rivers? No, I think that's – it's such a Charger season for that particular reason. <laughs> yes. that they can't seem to win games, but they're a very competitive team, and they're constantly in these games. They're not just like some some pushover team. I think – I mean, they're obviously not great. If they were great, they, they would be somehow winning some of these games. But um, I think you're right. They're absolutely a competitive team. I think Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback who, even if he's not as great right now as he used to be, um, he can still have some of those super hot games. And, uh, I mean, you have other dangerous players on the offense like Austin Eckler. I guess, uh, the saving grace for the Vikings is that, uh, they have a pretty good pass rush. And I'm pretty sure Sam Tevy hates Phillip Rivers and the rest of the offensive line hates <laughs> Phillip Rivers. So <laughs> I think they should be able to, uh, get by through that. Um, but no, you're right. This Chargers team is, is I think, better than their record. I don't implies re- that they are. I don't remember any time in in my lifetime where the Chargers have had a good offensive line. I, I just, it no, seems they, like they it's haven't. always a or conversation. <laughs> yeah, now that's for sure. Uh, everybody who follows that quack doctor who tries to <laughs> write about injuries from his TV is is always my favorite. Like Google that guy. But uh, that that's another story. Last thing before I let you go, Derek. Always great stuff having you on. Um, just. I want, I want you to tell me through your eyes as a lover of quarterback film and, and you do all these great breakdowns and things like that, seeing Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, guys like that who are running quarterbacks and, uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't say entirely Watson is as much, but these mobile quarterbacks, great athletes, uh, have as much success as they have in the league now. And Lamar Jackson has a great chance at winning the MVP. What does it mean for the future of quarterback play that we've seen this year out of Lamar Jackson? Oh, I think it's huge. Not even just for um, you know quarterbacks who are like these guys that are going to start to get more chances, and you know maybe they didn't 10, 15 years ago. I think even just beyond that, I think it's changing the way that defenses have to play the game. I think uh, you, like, especially if you run man coverage against these guys, which we've always known, like, running man coverage against mobile quarterbacks is dangerous. But against, like, Lamar Jackson in particular, I think the average is, like, teams run 10 to 12% or something like that, less man coverage against Jackson than they would normally. And so stuff like that I think is is really interesting. I think you're going to have to start being a little bit more creative with your zone coverages. Um, and if you watch a lot of these guys, um, and I think this is something that's really prevalent, prevalent at the college level too, is having, you know, what, what at least what I call is like apex defenders. Like if you watch Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker safety guy at Clemson, he kind of plays like a nickel corner, but he kind of plays like a linebacker. He mm. plays like in, in the midpoint between the slot and the, the formation. And I think you're going to start seeing a lot of those guys kind of crop up in the league as an answer to these mobile quarterbacks who can, um, you know, both threaten the box and threaten outside. I think that's going to kind of be the answer to these style of offenses. So I think that type of quarterback is breeding that type of defender and that constant back and forth in football, I think is, is super interesting. No, you're right. It's one of my favorite things in football is how offenses find new answers and then defenses find solutions and we move on and on. And uh, I also think, Derek, that at some point here, in uh, the next few years, 
these teams will finally get it. Like the guy, the guy who drops for some bizarre reason, you probably should just take him. I mean, L- Lamar not running the 40, should be a wide receiver, all this sort of stuff. I mean, you knew it was bogus at the time. I knew it was bogus at the time going into the draft. There's going to be concerns about every quarterback, but it's amazing how often we get, well, Deshaun Watson didn't throw hard enough at the combine, and we get Russell Wilson's too short. Or I almost think that Kyler Murray being drafted number one was a step in the right direction because he is too short, and and he played in an offense that did make things really easy on him in college. And yet they took him number one and he looks like he's going to be a franchise quarterback too. So maybe we're going in the right direction there. I'm hoping so. Cause like you mentioned, yeah, a lot, a lot of the concerns with some of these guys that are now superstars have always been kind of like benign. Like even with Patrick Mahomes, the, the worry was always like, Oh, the offense is so different than what he's going to see in the NFL. And I think to some extent that was true. Um, at least with right, respect to the way that their protections worked and constantly being in five wide, which you can't really do in the NFL. But they ran a lot of NFL concepts. I mean, heck, his coach is an NFL head coach now. Like, right. I think it was more of a pro offense than people than people thought, but we just saw air raid and we're like, well, maybe he, he doesn't deserve to go number one overall or whatever because because of that instead of whether it was you know some accuracy issues he had in college. It's always something – not really related to how they play the game. <laughs> well, Derek, speaking of things that uh, will always exist is intrigue with quarterbacks, and you break them down as well as anyone. Follow him on Twitter at QBKLASS, QB class, and football outsiders. Also, some draft stuff at Roto World soon on that. Not yet. You can't get me to talk about draft yet, but we'll get there uh, eventually. I, sometimes I'll get tweets of people who'll say, do you think the Vikings should look at this guy in the draft? Like, okay, let, let my head stop spinning from uh, breaking down Detroit tape, um, and then we'll look at that someday. So anyway, uh, great stuff. Make sure you follow Derek and follow his work at Football Outsiders. And uh, Derek, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, I appreciate all that. Thanks for having me on. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We will come right back, and we will talk with Chad Graff of The Athletic. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. 